The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, yeah. Hello. Welcome to the program Thursday. Thursday, 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 Thursday. Hi, are you, how are, hi. How you doing? <laughs> uh, oh, man. Just another beautiful day in paradise. Uh, I got up super early this morning, and I don't even know if the coffee's kicked in yet, but we're going to, we're going to. We're going to do something this morning. You ready? To, you ready to rock and roll? You ready to dive into this with both feet and grip it with both hands and just rip off the knob and do the what I'm I'm all the all the different uh, analogies that we can come up with. It's not an analogy, is it? Whatever it is. Idioms. It's a sayings. I don't know. Well, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us uh, again Thursday. Today, uh, we're going to announce in our uh, tour in hour two, we're expecting to hear from uh, Mike Shower uh, for the Shower Hour of Power. Uh, that's where he comes in for a full hour to hang. <clears throat> he just hangs out with us. He just hangs out, and we'll talk about, um, well, whatever we want to talk about. We don't have anything, uh, you know, planned out per se. It's just kind of like uh, it's kind of like the cup of coffee. We just hang out and we kibitz for uh the full hour in hour two today now fingers crossed that all goes well and and it's all gonna happen because uh uh you know we've missed a couple missed a couple you know work and everything else gets in the way sometimes that happens uh but we are going to uh, be expecting that here uh shortly uh we should see uh we should uh should see mike shower here in hour two and i'm excited about that uh, then in, uh, uh well, uh, uh, before that, I guess in hour one, it's going to be you and me, baby. It's going to be you and me in the headlines. And, um, Hey, guess what? The phones, apparently GCI got their, their, their knickers out of the twist. And, uh, apparently the phone lines are now working, um, which is, uh, exciting to me to say the least. 433-3150 is the phone number, 907-433-3150, uh, and that is the Pivotel call-in line, powered by our friends over there at Pivotel and Satellite West, and we're excited to hear from you guys and uh, and see what you have to say later on here in this hour of the program. And I'm sure you have a lot to talk about. Yesterday was an interesting show. I definitely was not expecting it to go the way that it did in hour two that sometimes those are the best shows you know sometimes where i had a plan and it just kind of goes right out the window sometimes those are the best they just they really are they really are uh but i am excited to um, see what this morning's program brings uh we got some headlines from around the uh, country and around the world uh well around the state and around the country maybe i should say we're not going to do world headlines there are a couple interesting things. Uh, one of my favorite authors, <clears throat> his name is Larry Correa. 
And he writes uh, some stuff that is really good, really thought-provoking. And um, and also, uh, he writes some stuff that's really funny. But he's also kind of a political junkie in a lot of ways. Uh, very libertarian in his mindset. And uh, he and I are friends. And and uh, he posted something the other day on one of his... Uh, on one of his uh, news boards, um, and it is a fascinating read. He posted this yesterday. I was reading this last night, and I was just like, "Dang, Larry, you are like right on target." Um, <clears throat> and I might—I think I might peel into this here later on in the program, depending on how many phone calls we get or anything else. He's got a new post up um, at Mus- uh, at uh, Monster Hunter Nation uh, entitled "Approaching Peak." woke um which it is kind of cool and i really i kind of want to just read it to you i kind of want to just i kind of want to just share it <clears throat> with you this morning and uh maybe I, I might do that later on in the program because i think it uh, it offers some good analysis and and it offers us a little hope for those of us who well, I don't know, <clears throat> feeling a little hopeless about uh, the whole situation, you know, going on around the uh, going on around everywhere. And so hopefully we'll be uh, we'll be we'll be that that'll be where we where we go this morning. So we're going to work on that and uh, we'll see if that comes about later on in the program. We also got some stuff to talk about here in the state of Alaska um and uh even down in the south central area where it looks like ooh, 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 it looks like maybe the worm has turned in the city of anchorage and this actually plays nicely into the article i was just talking about from uh from larry korea so maybe we'll tie those two things together there and we can talk about that as we go through um, also, some of the craziness of what we're seeing in today's culture uh, in regards to law enforcement and, um, you know, part of the problems we have uh, and I think have been kind of outlined about mental health, uh, which could contribute. We may take that one up deeper tomorrow on Firearms Friday, but something that plays into the gun stuff as well. So it might be something that we want to dig into and talk about. Uh, but that's kind of where we're going this morning. So I want to open up the phone lines first things first here. We'll see what you guys have to say at 433-3150 on the Pivotel call-in line. I suppose I should put that up on the screen so that those out there who don't know it and haven't seen the number can see it. Uh, I'd like to hear from you on any of the topics that we tackle this morning or maybe even something that, uh, that happens. Now, yesterday we announced it, but it is nice to revisit because every now and then when I feel like I've got a victory, I, I mean, I kind of want to do a second victory lap. I mean, like on the first, you know, after we go around the first time, sometimes I feel like we need to revisit it. And, um, it was announced yesterday. Was it yesterday? Day before, I guess, late the day before, um, that, uh, one of the show's favorite legislators and not in the terms of we agree with her and we like her, but Favorite in the fact that she always gives us some good fodder out there to talk about uh, that we probably couldn't disagree with her more uh, is Senator Natasha Von Imhoff from Anchorage, who has announced that she is not going to be running for re-election in her own seat, nor is she going to compete 
in any of the 2022 races. Now, it was speculated early on that Natasha was setting up a run for governor, uh, that initially that is something that she had been fighting for, and especially pre-pandemic, she seemed to be kind of, um, um, you know, putting herself out there and 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 getting things situated, trying to arrange the pieces on the board to make sure that that uh, that that was going to happen. Um, but I think that uh, a combination maybe of the pandemic situation, the fact that she unfortunately lost her father recently, um, and uh, and and kind of everything else has led her to take a break from that. Um, I, I don't think it helped that probably somebody whispered in her ear that if she ran for office especially at the governor's level, that uh, somebody would probably soundbite some of her greatest hits, including this one, which I'm sure you've heard if you've listened to this program for any length of time. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. I just don't fathom it. My father is at home dying of cancer, and I am here listening to the biggest crock of crap I've ever heard. I'm so sick of it. Get a grip, people. Vote for this budget. Or no state trooper, no one will answer the phone. Thank you. So I think that that was, uh, I mean, that's just one of the many gems that she has dropped on the floor over the last uh, couple years. And I think somebody probably whispered in her uh, ear that if she, you know, if she did that, uh, if she ran for office, that somebody would, because this was talking about the PFD. The PFD was holding up that bill. The PFD, the discussion, you know, looking for the statutory amount. And again, the fact that she was saying that the greed and entitlement of people who wanted them to follow the law and the full statutory PFD, that was probably not going to play out well for her. Uh, but so she did make the announcement uh, and it uh, made the circles, made the rounds uh, uh, yesterday or late Tuesday and, and yesterday. This was her announcement. Uh, as she decided to leave the public arena for, I guess, the foreseeable future. I mean, it's never say never. It doesn't mean you won't come back. I'm Natasha Von Imhoff, and I'm making this video announcement to let folks know that I will not be seeking re-election. I will not be participating uh, in the 2022 campaign in any capacity. My family and I have made the tough decision that I will be serving out my term and then stepping down from politics and I'm going to focus on family for the foreseeable future. I do want to say thank you to my supporters and constituents for allowing me to serve this great state of Alaska. Thank you. Now, I will say, um, I mean, my hat's off to her. I wish her well. Um, I think uh, focusing on family is a good idea. I myself have considered several times over the years of kind of pulling the plug on some of the things that I do and instead focusing on my family. And uh, I just haven't reached that threshold yet where I'm quite done with what I'm doing. But I, I admire that. And I, uh, even though she and I would vehemently disagree on probably 99.9% of the things out there, I wish her well. Um, and it is good news for those of us who are fans of the ideas of the Charter of Changes, that uh, changing the players out being the number one thing. Uh, my next question now becomes, who is going to run for her seat? Um, and what kind of uh, person is, uh, is going to replace her? And uh, we're going to see more about that here <clears throat> as we get closer to the time. June 1st is the drop dead date for the um, uh, is the drop dead date for filing for office. 
And that has been hindered right now by the continual confusion and uh, discord that is, I guess not discord, that would actually, discord would be a good thing. I guess disruption that we're seeing in the uh, Alaska uh, redistricting board. Uh, their plan was shot down in part uh, on uh, Tuesday by Superior Court Judge Thomas Matthews. And we're going to get a little bit more details on that. We're going to talk about what could possibly be the outcome of that in the future. That's going to be coming up next. Again, we may pick up this thing from Larry Correa. It just depends on how I feel. There's another story, too, which I want to talk about in regards to crime and punishment and mental health. So, I mean, I got a lot of stuff to talk about here in this first this first part this morning. So I'm excited to hear what may happen. We'll we'll see what goes on there. Uh, meanwhile, stick with us. We got more coming up. Don't forget, you can always join us in the chat room. Chat room is available every morning because we simulcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. So you can join us in any of those. Facebook's got the most people, so you can just go to facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show, click on the live video, and you will be right there. Uh, but if you go to any of those uh, simulcasts, I can see your chats or comments, and uh, it helps drive the conversation. So I appreciate that. So we can find out more about that when we get back. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more discussions on the Alaska Redistricting Board up next right here. light our guide and our trusted friend well good morning how are you guys doing this morning how are things going how's life treating you how was uh how's how's it i don't know what's going <clears throat> i don't know what's going on you know everything every day there's something new and broken with facebook um, I like right now I can't scroll, uh, on the comments. Luckily I'm seeing the comments, um, in the unified chat, uh, my, my little module that pulls all the different chat features together. Um, but for some reason I can't scroll the comments on Facebook today. There's no scroll bar and you, you can't use the wheel. You can't go up and down with it. So the last comment I see is like nine minutes ago. Uh, uh Brian mentioning that PJ O'Rourke passed. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what, I mean, I've refreshed the page. I've completely reloaded it. Uh, no matter what happens for some reason, I can't see the comments, uh, that are at the bottom. Oh, can I use, I can use this window. I'm using a different window now. Let me see if that works. Oh, I can actually see, I guess if I use the smaller window, it will allow me to scroll. But for some reason, the other window, the regular window, the one that I normally use, will not so okay all right um be careful what you wish for the gop is so ineffective alaska's to send a majority of republicans to juno and the gop agenda is all but ignored that's true he's not wrong he is not wrong the replacement you brag about are into voter suppression front license plates and horse ointment he's he is wrong about that he wasn't wrong about the first part 
but, you know, he has to make these moronic comments so that I'll talk about him, apparently, or something. He needs an ego stroke in the morning. So there you go, Harold. There's your ego stroke. You're right about the first half of that. About the second half, that's like one of the most inane comments I've ever seen. That's, that's all there is to it. So there you go. Um, looking forward to you reading that piece, says Sandy. Um, yeah, we'll talk about it. It's a Larry Korea piece. I'll drop, let me just drop the link in the chat room here. Um, for those of you who want to read this on your own, I, if I don't get to it, I want to get to it. So I may just do it, but this is the, uh, <clears throat> this is the piece on Facebook. Here it is for the people on Twitch and YouTube. Um, it's, uh, it's a great, uh, it's a great piece. And, uh, I think you should, uh, go read it. If you, if you've got a few spare moments to go do it. Um, let's see. Uh, I feel sorry for her family so much for their breaks. That's <laughs> not nice, man. Uh, Mia Costello apparently is already in her, according to Rob Myers, who's over on YouTube, Mia is already in her district thanks to the redistricting. And I guess that's one of the districts that they're not debating. They're not discussing. So looks like Mia will already be in her district. So good for that. Uh, Mia Costello has been pretty steady on that stuff. Um, and I like to see it. Um, I, I'm going to miss her says Chris. And then Sandy says she's a raving maniac. So, I mean, you know, it's why it's not like they couldn't be both. It's not like she couldn't be a raving maniac and you're going to miss her at the same time. I'm going to miss her because she always drops such, such gems on the, I mean, it's just, it's, a, it's awesome to watch. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, I guess that's it. I guess that's all the comments this morning. You guys are are quiet this morning. 40 people in the chat room right now. I would hope that um, each and every one of you would do me the favor of sharing the show with your feed uh, on Facebook. And if you're on YouTube, and I know there's probably another 10 people or so on YouTube, uh, I would ask that you not only subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube, but that you also hit the share button and share it to your other social media feeds, whether it's Facebook or something else. Um, I would love to, uh, I'd love to, love to do it. Um, saving $300,000 on it. It, it. Harold is all bent up about the fact that, you know, Kevin McCabe got that bill where it saved $300,000 by not having to have front license plates. And he thinks that's a bad thing. He thinks it's a bad thing that if we save, you know, 300,000 here, 300,000 there, pretty soon you're talking about real money, but you know, let's complain about it. And, uh, you know, the GOP isn't pushing ivermectin as a treatment there. There are individuals who are, but, uh, you know, again, Harold can't be wrong. He just wants to be drawn out. All right, folks, here we go. Jumping back into it. The Michael Duke show common sense radio. Okay, we are back, and we're talking about the new decision by the judge on the Alaska Redistricting Board and the new voting districts in the state of Alaska. Early yesterday, 
an Alaskan judge upheld most of the newly redistricted political map. But they did have a problem with two different areas. One is the Eagle River, the East Anchorage Senate seats linking Eagle River and Muldoon. And the other one was a problem with uh, down in uh, Juneau and Skagway, where they were trying to pull, um, where they were trying to pull Juneau and Skagway together in that decision. Now, here's some interesting things that um, that came out of this. First and foremost, um, he talks about how there was evidence that basically is indicating that three of the Republican appointed members. Now, they're all independents on the board. Now, all of them are undeclared voters, but three were three were not nominated by uh, Republicans, uh, including Kath, former President Kathy Geisel and Mike Dunleavy for two and her for one and he for two. And then the other ones were um, um, nominated by, well, Bryce Edgemond, who's an independent. I'm using the air quotes in case you couldn't hear it. The independent Bryce Edgemond who was a Democrat until they discovered that that's code for, you know, anyway. So that one, and then the other one was nominated by Bolger of the uh, Alaska Supreme Court. Anyway, <clears throat> the um, three Republican appointed members of the redistricting board, they said that there was evidence that they worked in secret to give Eagle River greater representation in the Senate, illegally diluting the representation of East Anchorage. He says, while the court does not make this finding lightly, it does find evidence of secretive procedures. Now, I guess part of this is because they went into executive session, um, and uh, I mean, there's really no other discussion as to what the you know evidence. I mean, first and foremost, under Alaska law, if you break the Open Meetings Act, especially in that, you can be open to liability. So, if there is evidence of those things, I don't know why somebody doesn't bring a court case on those grounds. Um, but he ordered the redistricting board to redraw both the Senate pairings. In that, um, in that Eagle River situation, and also the boundaries of two Juno-centered house districts, uh, or offer an explanation as to why it is impossibly to impossible to do so legally. Now, some of the more interesting ones: the Matsu had filed suit uh, because they had five of the seven districts in the state that were underweighted, so that they would lose, uh, you know, have some of their their representation diluted. Oh, he was okay with that. He was okay with that. He was okay with the fact that they've attached one of the Matsu House districts to Valdez, even though both the city and people in Valdez and people in the Matsu were fighting back against that. He said that was okay. But he went on to talk about how somehow, because the stuff where Juno, uh, people in Skagway did not want to be connected to the, I guess, one of the outlying areas, they wanted to be connected directly to Juno proper in their house district. Um, he said that the board considered to incorporate public feedback relating to the placement of Skagway and the dividing line, and they should have listened to the public testimony and which again, while public testimony is an important part of this, it sounds like he's looking to kowtow to the public testimony instead of the law on this. And in fact, John Binkley uh, is, he's, you know, he said that later on that, uh, I mean, not John Binkley, but uh, <clears throat> Simpson, one of the uh, one of the other members said, I think that in both instances, the Superior Court's opinion departs from established precedent 
to the extent that we really owe it to the people of Alaska to take this up to the Supreme Court and get a definitive ruling. Because this is the way that we've done it for a long time. Matt Singer, who's the attorney that defended it on court on Wednesday, said that in his view, the judge's order creates, quote, a new concept that the notion that public testimony should have a higher role or be more important than the views and experience of board members. And this is, I think, part of the problem. I mean, does this become mob rule? If we get enough people out there to say, no, 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 we want to be joined to this other district, does it even politicize the process even further than it already does? I mean, all of a sudden we have to give more weight to public testimony? Because we've seen public testimony sway one way or the other, and especially when special interests are involved, public testimony can be very problematic. But the bottom line is, is that, I mean, this whole thing, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen quick. So they've approved the rest of the plan, including they ruled against the legal challenges from Matsu, from the city of Aldi's, from Callista Corp, from the Yukon-Kuskokwim region. I mean, all these other things. They, he agreed those are all legal, even though I think there's definitely some questions that could be answered there. But he's ruled those are all legal, but the one that would split Eagle River into two different Senate districts, attaching them to two different – one goes half of Eagle River with Jay Bear, half of Eagle River with Muldoon. That's problematic, and this thing in Juneau, because they didn't listen to the public testimony. Well – I guess we'll have to see. Now, under the, under the court rules, the Supreme Court, if this is uh, appealed to the Supreme Court, which the, yesterday morning the uh, board did, did do that, on, a, again, a 3-2 to two vote, the same vote that they took to approve the, 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 uh, the redistricting map that they submitted, uh, they uh, agreed to appeal this to the Supreme Court. They have until, the court has until April the 1st to make a decision. Now, that's a pretty short timeline, but... It's needed because, again, June 1st is the deadline for candidates to register for the 2022 election. So you got to get on the stick because some of them and several potential candidates have already said that they are deferring their decision until after the court's rulings on the redistricting uh, redistricting are finalized because there's people who are – it put different people in the same district. It, it, It opened up new districts that some people might have access to. Nobody knows. So they got to know what the what the ground rules and what the what the boundaries look like before they jump in by June one. So um, that was one of the big stories, and I think um, you know this is the one again that's been the and it's not unexpected. See, that's the thing. I mean, sometimes people act like it's such a surprise that this kind of stuff goes on. I mean, I have watched this contention. Well, I have paid attention to the last three redistricting boards and their process because I've been politically active for the last 30 years, essentially. But prior to that, I had, you know, but this is like the sixth, is this the fifth or the sixth time that the, that you know that the courts are going to be the ones to decide what the final boundaries are? Because they've taken it to court every time. It becomes a judicial mess, which makes it even more important, uh, by the way, talking about things like the CONCON, the Constitutional Convention that's being proposed. Um, it may it may lead to more questions about judicial reform. How do we retain and how do we, uh, you know, do we elect judges? Do How do we retain them? Is it a no or a yes or is it uh, they have to be upheld? I mean, I think some of those questions, because they're playing a bigger and bigger role in what's going on in Alaska, 
And I think that we definitely need to look at how we vote, choose, and retain judges. Um, I don't have an answer as to what that should look like, but I think that we, you know, I think that we should at least have a fresh look at it. So maybe that will be a silver lining in the danger that is of the con-con. Um, okay, I got one other story, and then I'm going to be able to jump in in the next segment to go over what I wanted to talk about with this uh, approaching peak woke article from my friend Larry Correa. Uh, but let's let's first go into the category of what the this is the what the category. And this is a story that I read, and then I reread it, and then I read it again, and I was like, really? What? So you'll recall the other day that I read a story uh, about, uh, you know, going to the library. You're going to the library, you're going to return some books, and out of the blue, somebody randomly stabs you in the back. And I don't mean metaphorically, I mean literally stabs you in the back. This was a story that came out of Anchorage on Monday. And, uh, I mean, this was just the creepy, creepy thing. Well, the unfortunate thing is, is that the story gets even worse. So the Anchorage man who, uh, on on Monday, the woman walked into a library and, uh, she walked in to turn her books in with her boyfriend. They had their backs towards the lobby area when this man, I'm not even going to use his name we'll call him the man, walked up behind them. In the surveillance footage, you could see the man stabbing her in the middle of the back and then running out of the doorway. Uh, The guard chased him. The security guard chased him, but returned shortly after to help the woman. Police were called. Um, They found the woman with a multi-tool blade in her back. The tool had three to four inches of serrated blade. On Monday, the woman was in a hospital in an intensive care unit. She has lost feeling in some of her extremities, and there is an injury to her spinal cord, according to the assistant district attorney. Now, this is all bad. This is all, you know, this is all. But the worst part was, is that the man, the stabber, was released from custody last month when he was declared incompetent to stand trial on assault charges from a previous attack. They did eventually find him after stabbing this woman, and they took him to police headquarters. Uh, During the interview, apparently, he got rowdy. He broke, flipped a table over. He broke it. He became violent. In December, he was arrested on assault charges that detailed random acts of violence targeting women. On December 6th, he hit a woman from behind with a backpack in a midtown Walmart parking lot, knocking her to the ground. He left that area. And then later on began shouting derogatory words at a woman who was walking on Benson Boulevard near Walmart. He then attacked and began punching her, trying to hit her in the face. After he was arrested on those charges, he underwent a competency evaluation that determined he was incompetent to stand trial. And the charges against him were then dismissed and he was released from custody. What? What? He... so in uh, <laughs> what he was determined to be incompetent to stand trial. So we dismiss all the charges and just l- let him go. Incompetent to stand what? 
Come on, man. He he just he just had two or three just random acts of violence specifically targeting women. He's incompetent to stand trial and nobody thought that maybe there should be some involuntary commitment going on here that maybe he might be a danger to society and himself and that th- I mean this is no no so we've got to wait for him to stab and attack and paralyze a woman I mean if he was if he was incompetent to stand trial in December just 2 months ago do you think that anything has changed in that between now and then so are they going to find that after he's attacked and paralyzed this woman that he's going to be incompetent and they will just dismiss those charges again? I mean, I think Anthony in the chat room kind of hits it in the in the head for what I wanted to say. I mean, when a dog keeps biting people for no reason, you put it down. Now, I'm not talking about the death penalty, but you take him off the streets. You chain him up in a cage. You do what you need to do. API is full, the Alaska Psychiatric Institute. Well, maybe you ship him somewhere else. Or you do something. I mean, that is insane. That is insane. And if you think that a small four-inch blade can't kill you, I mean, the woman is, I'm, I'm, she's going to recover. But again, a spinal cord injury and lost some of the feelings. She says partial paralysis. That's, I mean, it's horrific. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, the things about mad dogs is that they eventually get put down either by their owners, by the pound, or by somebody who's had enough of the mad dog. But, I mean, he was just found incompetent to stand trial two months ago, released him into the wild. Be free. Fly, be free. Don't do that again, though. I tell you right now, don't do Those don't do those random acts of violence against women. I'm just like, what? Anyway, uh, that was a story that I just, I could, I just shook my head at. I could not believe it. Could not believe it. All right. Apparently it was an assault knife. That was what it was. It wasn't just a knife. It was an assault knife. It wasn't just a multi-tool. It was an assault multi-tool. I guess. All right, my friends. Um, We're going to be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. The approach of peak wokeness up next. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Yeah, I mean, as I read this story, I was just like, what the actual... I mean, I... I don't even know what to say to that. Because again, what's going to happen now? I mean, that was that because that was the thing that really le- left out of me is that he underwent a competency of a competency evaluation in December found him to be incompetent to stand trial. 
So, I mean, that's just under two months ago. And now he's turned around and just stabbed some random person because she happened to have double X chromosomes. Right? The, the part that I didn't announce was that he had encountered police again three days before the stabbing. He had another interaction with police three days before the stabbing. The charges from that were forwarded to municipal prosecutors, but he was not arrested at the time. I mean, so he already had charges pending when he decided to go ahead. I mean, at what point do you go, man, that, uh, no. Bad dog. No donuts for you. So, uh, yeah. I mean, he will eventually, if, if this kind of stuff continued, he would eventually meet the wrong person on the street and, again, be put down like a mad dog. But that's just, I mean... I just got to ask the question, if you knew he was a danger, if he had already shown violent tendencies, and this is just, I mean, this thing only reports on what happened back in December. It does not report his, any of his previous past. Um, it, uh, it, it just raises so many, so many questions. So many questions. I don't even know where to go with that. But, uh, I mean, this is the society. And people wonder why I carry a gun, right? People like, why do you need to carry a gun? Well, let me case, case right here, case in point. Why do you carry a gun right here? That's crazy stuff. Um, Jesus. I am so, I'm just so tempted. Um, the irony of this, if you were to have a shot, this guy for trying to predator extract your wife's spine, you'd be deemed competent to strand, stand trial and drug through the mud for years. Yep. Yeah. Um, we wish you were a sports fan. Why? Because you don't like... Here's the thing, Harold. There's this button over here, and if you click it, it's got a little X on it. You don't have to hear it. And more importantly, we wouldn't have to hear you whine about it. I'm so tempted just to block Harold just because I get – but, you know, I I want to have the open and free exchange of ideas, but the whining – I wish I could just hide his comments from myself for a while. He could comment to everybody else, but it just makes me tired. Just makes me tired. Segments like these, we wish you were a sports fan. Well, again, nobody's put a gun to your head and made you listen, buddy. Not one person. And in fact, probably you'd get a standing ovation from the chat room if you left. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. In fact, everybody... If if everybody would like Harold to just be quiet for a little bit, click me a one in the chat room. Just click one and, and hit enter. Just one and enter if you want him to be quiet for a little bit. I'm just asking. The ultimate, Anthony says, the ultimate free speech experiment is happening. Yep. I'm, I'm uh, you know, that's the thing. I want people to be able to have their say even if they disagree with me, but the constant... Wine, 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 comparative of wine, my wine. 
is, you know, the problem is, is that half the time he says something is right. And the other time, it's like, I know he's intentionally just in there with his fingernails trying to dig at the sore spot. You know what I mean? So anyway, if you wish he'd just be quiet for a while, just hit the number one and hit enter. That's all I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just taking the pulse of the room. Just taking the pulse of the room. Yeah, I could give him Randy's number and he and Randy could talk back and forth. That would be entertaining to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely entertaining to watch. Okay. Um, what else we got here? Oh, so we're going to jump into this thing uh, and talk about uh, hobo hit squads. I, I, it's like I want that to be my guild name in World of Warcraft, the hobo hit squad. Thank you. That's a great guild name. I need that. Um, let's see. Uh, well, we're going to talk about this Larry Korea story. We're going to do that right now. Um, we're going to uh, jump into that. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you'd like to share the show, do so. Like and subscribe. Like and follow. Let's get back to it. Here we go. All right, let's uh, continue on here. I want to talk for just a second, and this is the setup for the remainder of the uh, segment. Um, there was a report out, Suzanne Downing over at Must Read uh, talked about uh, the Anchorage Municipal Assembly race, which for those of you who live or live or work around the municipality of Anchorage, you don't realize that their assembly race is really, I mean, it's weird. It happens in April. So it's like opposite of everybody else in the state. And it happens in April. So we're just about ready to get geared up to run, to do the hard running, the five or six weeks here before election day, which is April the 7th, I think, if I recall correctly. I know it's not April 1st, which is kind of ironic, um, but it is uh, April the 5th. Sorry, April the 5th is going to be election day uh, in the South Central area. And so they're about to start running hard. And Suzanne Downing, is uh, she she breaks it down for us as far as the races and the financial reports, which is always a good indication of, you know, how people, how serious people are about different races and things like that. And uh, so <clears throat> she highlights the fact that many of the conservative candidates have raised a significant amount of money. In fact, a lot of these races are going to be more than you would normally raise for um, a state race, for a state house race or something like that. One of the most hotly contested seats is the one that's held by Forrest Dunbar. And you can see that this race is going to be big. Back in 2019, on his uh, beginning of the year report, which is what this is based on, he had only raised uh, $37,000. This year, he's raised $167,000. But the Republican contender, Stephanie Taylor, 
is pretty well-known, respected, has some name recognition, and she has raised $109,000. So we're already past the quarter-million-dollar mark on this assembly seat. Um, and I'm wondering, does this mean that uh, the the silent majority has awakened? Then you've got the race uh, for Meg Zalatel's seat. Zalatel, of course, was facing a recall and everything else. Um, she has raised 50000 on her beginning-of-the-year report. Kathleen Hensley, the other the Republican challenger in that race, has raised almost twice that, almost $90,000. Uh, so that is looking like it could be a year of overturning. Uh, then you've got the race for John Weddleton's seat, who Suzanne Downing says is a liberal. Um, I've had some dealings with John, and I've watched what he's done, and he's really more of a moderate than anything else. Um, so I think that that's a mislabel, just in my opinion. Uh, but he and Randy Salt, who is the uh, Republican, um, are pretty pretty well evenly matched. Uh, Weddleton has raised fifty seven thousand. Salt has raised sixty two. So uh, about a ten percent difference between the two. Then you've got Cameron Perez Veridia, the Liberal Assembly member, who raised seventy thousand, and Liz Vasquez has raised nearly forty thousand. And then you get down into the uh, uh, Eagle River districts where Kevin Cross is a Republican. He is running for the seat uh, that is there. And uh, Gretchen Wemhoff, this is the seat that I think is held by Allard that she's not running for. She's running for state house. Uh, the Democrats raised $57. The Republicans raised 15000 So, I mean, I think that, I think that uh, when you look at this, you're seeing that maybe that silent majority has said, we've had enough. And that leads me over to this article from my friend Larry Correa, who's an author. He's written um, the saga, the Son of the Black Sword saga. So it's the saga of the Forgotten Warrior, which is a fantasy series. He's also written the Monster Hunter International series. He's uh, he's uh, he's written some stuff that is just hysterical um, as well. Um, the the uh, inner anyway, I I won't even get. It. He's got some great books out there. One of my favorite series is the Grim Noir series. He's written some amazing books, and he's I really like how he thinks, more libertarian than not. Um, he's got this article called Approaching Peak Woke. Now, I'm, I'm just going to read through it here for you because I think this is an important thing to hear because I think that we a lot of times feel like we're beat down. A lot of times we feel like we're beat down and we're not going to make it, and I think he makes some valid points into showing that maybe the worm is turned. Maybe people are sick of the kind of this woke attitude. And he starts off talking about the San Francisco school board, which by the way, if you hadn't heard three, though, three school board members who were under recall uh, because they were too busy renaming high schools and taking people's like Abraham Lincoln's names off of high schools. They were too busy to do that than to allow the kids back in school. They were all recalled um, at, at a, like a 75% margin, each and every one of them, everyone that was up for recall gone. In San Francisco, the bluest of the blue. So he starts off there and he says, I truly believe we're at or nearing peak woke. The San Francisco school board was just overwhelmingly voted to be recalled. Pundits are already blaming it on secret conservatives in San Francisco, the bluest city in America. Across the nation, regular normal people are done with woke stuff. They're done with the COVID control freaks. They're done with incompetent petty tyranny. 
They're done with self-proclaimed experts being constantly wrong but still handing down arbitrary commands. That combo is going to make the upcoming midterms the biggest bloodbath election in the last hundred years. Purple is going to flip red. Blue is turning purple. 30 congressional Dems have retired because they see more accurate polling than we do. Seats that are normally Democrats on the plus 13 side aren't safe. The polls about how people identify have flipped in a manner that the establishment can't even sort of understand yet. Some do. Those are the proverbial rats fleeing the sinking ship. Polls are always oversampled Democrats, but even the ones that show Democrats up by seven have them being trounced now. It won't be Democrats up by seven. It's going to be Republicans plus however many people said enough. The progressive uh, left has driven off many of the people who they always assumed would make up their permanent demographic majority. Democrats have infuriated independents. Nobody expected New Jersey to be in play. Nobody expected Virginia to flip. And as the polls swung, the left would do nothing but panic and do dumber and dumber stunts. I expect to see lots of tiki torches and fake hate crimes in the coming months. Their figurehead, Joe Biden, is despised by his enemies and pitied by his allies. He inspires no one. They have no wins, nothing to run on, nothing to point to. If they were smart, they would do an emergency course correction and abandon the control freaks, but they can't. The liberals abdicated. The moderates fled. The woke progressives are steering the ship, and they are addicted to outrage. They only have one play in their playbook, which is to scream about how everyone else is some kind of hate monger. Regular people just want their money to be worth something, and their stores not to be empty, and their schools not to be indoctrination centers. While the woke running the left can only offer them increasingly crazy, insane identity politics instead. The reckoning is coming. The left is about to reap the whirlwind of their hubris. Of course, the GOP will flop and squish and squander this unless these same angry voters won't allow them to do it. The invertebrates like Mitt Romney will see the Democrats take this generational loss and will want to reach across the aisle to help them back to their feet. They'll be bipartisan. No. They lost because they deserve to lose because their ideas are evil and the middle realized the left is actively destroying America. Crush them, drive them from any position of leadership. This loss needs to hurt. It needs to be a wake-up call to the Democrats who aren't insane leftists, however many of those may remain. The woke must be cast down. Their philosophy is a cancer in the bones of our country. The moneyed, educated elite of the left have loved the woke because they have been a useful club to beat their ideological enemies with. But once the woke became a liability, they will be dismissed and forgotten, just like the hippies were a great big deal until suddenly they weren't, and then they became a fringe joke. That's a big if, though, because I'm not sure how much the Venn diagram of woke and elites overlap. So if Democrats can't jettison wokeness, then regular people will make sure they lose so damn bad they don't have a choice. That's what's coming. Pundits will blame it on COVID fatigue or racism or sexism or Russians or something else, but it's not. It's all tied together. It's a backlash against one giant overwhelming philosophy combining the federal Leviathan, woke megacorps, and a mob of useful idiots into a pseudo-bizarre religion. It's a completely disconnected from reality and rules with a very stupid fist, and regular people aren't even allowed to question it or stand in its way. He said, I'm actually really optimistic. I've been talking about this nefarious culture war for a long time, and I've seen an ever-increasing number of regular folks catching on and realizing they've been getting scammed. I've seen people who thought they were 
liberal realizing that they got conned. I've seen more moderates realizing that all this moral equivalence is BS because both sides suck. But at least one isn't actively trying to destroy our society and civilization. This is a great article, and you should go out and read it right now. I've got links up in the chat room, and uh, we can continue this discussion, I guess, at a later date. But this is good stuff for my friend Larry Correa. I love it. I love it. All right, folks, we're out of time. we got to go. Hour two dead ahead. Mike Shower, our guest, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Well, oh man, sure much good stuff. All right, it is uh, time to get ready for Senator Mike Shower, who's going to be joining us here in just a moment. And in fact, I probably should, uh, I probably should make sure that he's got all the right information, all the all the right information. Do you have the information? Yes, it is here. Tell me to call you. Where is it? There it is right there. Okay. That. Put that over there. Hit paste. Boom. Look at that. All done. All done. Good morning, Charlene. Thanks for coming in. Um, Larry Elder would be governor if Newsom had not bought off poor voters with state money. Um... Uh, let's see. It's classic attention. Uh, mail-in ballots will be counted next week. <laughs> uh, any thoughts on the guy in Louisville that tried to shoot a mayoral candidate and was set free after BLM bailed him out? No, um, I don't really have any thoughts on that because I guess I, I have to admit that I'm not familiar with the case. What is this? Person tried to shoot Louisville mayor candidate had been detained. Um. Huh. I hadn't heard about this. Well, I'll have to read into this and we will BLM Louisville bails out suspect of attempted shooting of the mayor. We'll have to, we'll have to, I'll look into this and we'll talk about this tomorrow. This will be a good firearms Friday topic. So we will, we'll talk about that again. Uh, my question is, uh, you know, why do you carry a gun? Pretty much that right there. That's pretty much the reason right there that I carry a gun because oof, that is the reason. All right. Just double checking that all make sure all my stuff works and uh, we're ready to go. Okay. Coming up tomorrow on the program, uh, we're going to have, who's going to be on the program tomorrow? Somebody. I've got a guest tomorrow. I've already forgotten. That's how important this stuff is to me. I've already forgotten. This is why, by the way, that I have, uh, <laughs> this is why I have a calendar. Uh, who's going to be on the program tomorrow? Come on. Come on. I'm waiting for it to load. It, all of a sudden, it just freaked out. Uh, oh, that's who we're going to have on the program tomorrow. Uh, we are going to be talking with Stephen Hallbrook. 
He's a senior fellow at the Independent Institute, and he's the author of the new book, A Right to Bear Arms, A Constitutional Right of the People or a Privilege of the Ruling Class. And this should be a fun discussion and interview. That's going to be happening tomorrow, the first part of the show, uh, in hour one. We're going to talk about, uh, talk about that with him. Um, uh, okay, so that's coming up tomorrow. Stephen Hallbrook. Remind me to remind me to mention that when we come back to the radio. I'm back on the air. Okay. Um, what else is going on? What are you guys doing this weekend? See, the the little secret is is that tomorrow I'm actually taking the day off, so I'm doing the show and then I'm going back to bed because, oof. I woke up at three thirty this morning. Uh, which is about 15 minutes before my alarm goes off. And I just laid there and I'm like, nope, got to get up. So <laughs> it's been a, it's been a short week. It's been a short week short of sleep. So I'm, I'm ready to take a little nappy poo tomorrow, right after the show uh, and get ready. But what are you guys planning on doing this weekend? What are you doing? Tell me. You're going to be, uh, you're going to be hanging out. Comic-Con. Oh, is there RT Comic-Con in Fairbanks? Um, is that? Is that this? I thought it was next month. Cool. Um, you're going to be moving slush, says Brian. Man, I, I saw a video. Somebody posted video of a pickup truck trying to move some of the, with a plow, trying to move some of that stuff. That stuff got so wet and heavy. I mean, this big three-quarter ton truck just couldn't even move it. You'd have had to have a bobcat or something. I mean, it was nasty, nasty. Um. The boys will be at Comic-Con. I will be at the garage making some knives. My son has expressed an interest in doing some, in, in, in forging some blades. And, and I'll be honest with you. I've watched a few of the, you know, the homemade blacksmith things. I, I love crafting. I love woodworking. I love ironworking. I love all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, my son has expressed an interest in it. And I've seriously considered maybe investing in a few things to make some of that stuff. Um, you know, that that would be fun. To make some, you know, knives or things like that. Um, it requires a few more tools than what I have, but I've been considering that. You have to, you have to shoot me some videos or something, Jimmy, of of uh, you working on the working on those knives in the garage. I'd love to see it. I, I'd be interested to see it. Um, all right, uh, we're about to jump into it. I think Mike Shower has now joined us. Good morning, sir. How are you? You think correctly. I think correctly. Well, I've never heard that before. Usually it's incorrectly is all I hear about how I am. Um, I, uh, are, you, are you ready to dive into this? I, I, don't, I am I'm, as ready as I will ever be. Okay, I have no agenda today. I don't even know what you're going to talk about. So I'm sure we're going to talk about the election stuff. I'm sure we can talk about that, the con-con. Uh, I mean, I'll just let you kind of roam free here with what you got going on. So there you go. How about that? Sure. This is just your day. Just your day. Just your this is day your day. Decide your own fate, young man, and know where you will go. All right. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump into this. So hold the line here. Mike Showers, our guest, the Michael Duke Show. Ready to go. Mm-hmm. We'll take your calls uh, later, not today. It's Mike Shower up next on your own for Common Sense Radio. Buddy. 
put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. That's right, streaming live all across the uh, world on the World Wide Web, the interwebs, uh, at MichaelDukeShow.com, and of course across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. And of course, you can also join us in the chat room on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch. We're everywhere. Just, we're there, we're there, we're there. Uh, This hour, it is the shower hour of power. Uh, we're ready to jump into this and talk with him. Uh, Senator Mike Shower from District E, soon to be something district, something completely different. Uh, he joins us this morning to talk about, well, whatever he wants to talk about. I told him I'm just going to give him free reign. I'm I'm barely we're just going to have a conversation. Just think about this as the kibitzing around the coffee pot. That's all it is this morning. I don't really have anything particularly to ask. He's been on enough that, you know, probably most of the answers. So. We'll let him take the reins this morning and see what he has to say. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Oh, you know, still in Juno. Still in Juno. Still in Juno. Still in Juno. Uh, I heard you guys were going to get out of there in ninety days. That's what I heard. Sure. Yeah, we will. Yeah. And, uh, can I? Um, can you send me a blank check for that piece of property? It's on the beachfront in Arizona. Exactly. And uh, I'm going to sell it to you. Okay. 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 I can do that. Okay. I can do that. I'll I'll write it right now. I'm writing it out of your account, so don't say anything. I'm going to forge your uh, name. The Underhills. Yeah, yes. exactly. The Underhills, <laughs> Mister Underhill. Underhills. <laughs> uh, so what's happening, my friend? I mean, uh, you know, we we're not hearing a lot coming out of Juno. Um, you know, I I had to laugh because I went back to the the political tab on the, the ADN to go back and look, and there's there's really it's pretty quiet. The only story that came out recently was that. Uh, they had uh, basically told the board of emoluments and you know that they they're not going to take the uh, that they're not going to take the pay cut they're not going to take the change to per diem or the increase to salary I guess I should say in the in the cut to per diem they're not going to do that that was pretty much the last story that's coming out of Juno right now other than the bill on the alcohol tax so let's talk uh, what's going on give us the backstory here that we're not seeing in the paper well I mean to be quite frank Mike that's 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 kind of the story. There is nothing going on. I mean, we are, there is a few little bills moving here and there. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty busy in the one committee that I chair, uh, hearing a lot of bills, but that doesn't mean much because you can hear them move them and then the next committee either doesn't hear them or finance won't see them or right. they don't make it to the floor and they just sit there. So, you know, a lot of this, quite frankly, what I've learned in the last couple of years is kind of more busy work um, because it's like somebody files something and makes a big deal. I got a bill. Look, you know, and, and all this work I'm doing. And <laughs> look really, at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at, look at here. Look at here. 
and hey guys, hey guys. And yeah, and but nothing's really going to happen, and that's a lot of it. So there's that. Um, we're finally, finally starting to talk subcommittees on the budget, and that will. I don't know, Mike. I mean, <laughs> I'd love to tell you we're actually doing something, um, and there's plenty of busy work happening. But the reality is, you know, we're not meeting on a fiscal plan. We're not right. meeting on an energy plan. Right. We're not meeting on a plan to do anything significant with the ferry. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of looking at it and go, we're not really doing anything that is going to solve long-term problems. We're you know, meeting to I mean, spend the money. That's what we're doing. We're meeting to spend all that federal lucre that we've gotten. Well, there's a lot of talk about that. Now, that is definitely what everybody's all the money. <laughs> money. we got money, federal money. We've got tons of money coming hey, in. Look at that. I need some of that. Give me, give me, give me, give me yeah. some of that. Yeah, well, there's plenty of talk about that. So, but Now, what happens, what happens next year when the federal money's not there? What happens the year after that when we have another five six hundred million dollar deficit and we're not equal again what happens then i mean you know that that's the thing nobody is nobody is they're always thinking about what's going on this session what's happening now not what's happening in two five eight ten years uh it's always something new that's the problem isn't it is that well you got money now i mean i had a meeting yesterday with a group and the business group and one of the guys asked question was an innocent question he wasn't you know asking it maliciously and he's like well you know, because I kept talking about, you know, we have to solve the problem. We've got to do something with the permanent fund of the dividend. We've got to do the spending cap. We've got to balance the budget. So that's probably going to include the conversation of taxes and reductions and all, you know, that whole comprehensive type plan, even bits and pieces. But he's like, well, right. you know, if we have money right now and, and the, you know, your your income is now good because you've got a, over a billion dollars of extra money from oil because of the price and you got all this federal money coming in. And he's like, why, why do you really need to, you know, work on the fiscal plan? I go, well, that's the problem, isn't it? I said, because you have money, every time have money, we have money, we spend it, or we grow government, or we build bridges to nowhere. And then when the money spigot tightens up, we don't have the money, and we're back to fighting, and we're taking the low-hanging fruit, and we screw over the middle class and the poor these days, thanks to Governor Walker. And then a complicit legislator because we take the dividend. So, you know, at least we screw over the middle class and the poor while government gets fed. I mean, we're not solving the problem. Right. So that is the issue right now. Everybody's oh, lots of money. So there's less impetus to solve the problem when the very thing we should be doing while we have money and have a chance to breathe is the perfect time to solve the problem. So, like you said, when the money spigot inevitably tightens up and the price of oil drops and the stock market crashes again or goes back down, which it does, right? Everything's cyclical. Then we'll be back to not having money because that's pretty much what we depend upon. We have oil revenue and we have the earnings from the permanent fund. That's mostly what funds our government now. So we're volatile, right? Because both of those are cyclical. We don't have a really good discussion with another group yesterday. Talking about the oil economy, you know, so look at Venezuela, look at Alaska, look at states that are dependent on oil. They they can basically boom and bust cycles, right? And so right. I'm looking at them going, that's why we don't have something like Texas that has a lot of oil, right, too. But they also have a big economy on all kinds of other things where they are diversified. They have all kinds of production, all kinds of farming. They have oil and gas. They have massive industry that's come in. They've got 35 million people in a stable tax base, so they don't have those wild swings like we do. And so it's like, well, you know, if we're not going to solve the problem, we're going to, you know, like you said, 
next year or the year after that, we're going to be right back to where we were. So it's very frustrating. And uh, I had a lot of meetings yesterday. One of them was at the group at seven o'clock in the morning with the kind of, <laughs> you think Juno, like, oh, there's like one conservative group, but actually quite a few. Last Friday, I talked to a big group um, in a church downtown uh, in, at the end of the night. Like They were there. We were there for like three hours, Mike, three hours. They kept asking question after question. It was fantastic. And then the group yesterday, same thing. It's like, solve the problem, solve the problem, right? And everybody's got that same sense of, oh, here we go again, more money. I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> so it's like, same, it was the same day, different song. It's here we go. Yeah. So, you and I both. Yeah, what it feels like. You and I both. Uh, you and I both love to analogize to movies that we love, right? I mean, we always, you know, pick something out. Every time I think about the state of Alaska and the history of finance in the state of Alaska, um, I'm likened back to the uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and I can't remember if it's the second one or the third one, where they're running back and forth from one side of the boat to the other. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to the, to roll the boat over, right? And and that's what I'm that's what I'm reminded of every time we talk about the finances and the history of the state of Alaska and what we've done. As you said, we have oh my god, we've got lots of money, oil's high, everything's going good, and they all run to one side of the boat, and then all of a sudden, oh my god, the bottom dropped out, they run to the other side of the boat, and it's just like nobody can find that middle ground. Nobody can find a way. That, hey, when you've got lots of money, maybe you shouldn't spend it. Maybe you shouldn't put it on all these, shouldn't create all these new programs. Maybe you shouldn't shouldn't build AstroTurf fields uh, on every remote uh, uh, community in the state of Alaska. Maybe you shouldn't, uh, you know, spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on engineering buildings that you're going to have to heat and light and maintain for the next 50 years. You know, maybe you shouldn't do those things, but nobody can see that. It's always just the money's there. Let's spend it. And then uh, the big shock face when all of a sudden everything goes away. I mean, it just, it, it, it's crazy. Well, let me look at the ferry, Mike. I mean, I'm, one of the guys talking to me, he'd been at the ferry, you know, for a very long time, decades. And he was discussing, I mean, I got ideas on how to fix this and how the things we can do. And one of the things he brought up was something we discussed. Because, again, that's one of many groups of legislators I'm a part of that are working on these different ideas and plans. God knows if we'll ever get them through anything or ever get leadership or anybody to listen or do anything about it with all the other influence, especially when you start talking, then it, this union gets spun up or that union comes up, and all of a sudden you got lobbyists and unions run through the bill and tell everybody how important it is. You can't do that you're going to kill jobs and et cetera, et cetera. So you, you know, so you got the brakes are on, you get nothing done, but we were having that conversation and I've had it before. And he's like, you know, wait, well, we've got these boats and we run them. He's like, why are we running, you know, this big boat to this spot twice a week. He's like, when you should be doing it, you know, every other week, you know, kind of thing. I go, yeah, I know exactly. Right. Right. But then you'll say, well, the union contract though, to pay everybody says you got to run a boat empty or not, you know, X number of days. And then you run the boats into the ground and then you start having getting behind a maintenance, right? And then the boat breaks, and then you don't have any service. And then you know, and it's like it just keeps rolling and rolling. And we were talking about the inner island ferry that's running smaller boats, you know, as as the need is arises, and they're making money, and they have very little subsidy from the state. You know, and these are just some of the ideas, and it's like, but you can't implement them. Because every time you try to implement somebody, somebody comes back with it. Well, you're going to hurt these people. Right. Or you're going to hurt that community. My, or whatever. Yeah, my ox yeah. is going to get gored on that. We can't have that happen. I'm all, I'm all for cutting everything, but not in my backyard. Don't cut <laughs> into my <laughs> sacred cow, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> oh, it's just like it's just so. <laughs> Anyways, and you go back to building, Mike. Need to build stuff, right? Build dams. 
You know, we, we need to build power stations. You know, we're looking at many nukes, which I know some people's heads explode when you talk many nuclear, but think of a many nuclear um, generator out in Bethel or Nome or even Copper Valley because they came through one to take a look at it in places where you have these very expensive energy grids that cost, you know, 40 cents per, per kilowatt hour. I mean, just ridiculously expensive. And you're doing it with, you know, hundreds of thousands of gallons of diesel, you know, to keep it running, for example. So there's so many things that we are afraid to do because of an environmental group or because of a union group or because of name the cost or because it's dangerous. Or that, well, get up out of bed is dangerous every morning, <laughs> you know. Come on, folks. Yeah. Start building stuff again. We used to grow. We built things. We weren't afraid. Now we're afraid of our own shadow. So, you know, we spend money we don't have. We are afraid to build things. We don't want to really diversify our economy. We talk about it all the time, but then we never actually do anything. We sit here and study the problem to death, right? We're going to have a committee on the committee to study the committee. And then two years from now, we'll have a committee to talk about what the committee to study the committee talked about. To see and if we're we'll going to actually do anything. We do nothing. <laughs> And then we'll study the study that studied the committee to make sure <laughs> that, that it's so okay. All right, the like, Alaska the Alaska study industry is is alive and well. Um, you know, and of course the question always becomes, you know, well, how can we how can we fix this? You know, what what do we what do we need to do? You know, a lot of us would love to focus on you know right sizing government, so to speak. You know, so we talk about things like you know, do we adjust the base student allocation? Do we open up the formulas? Do we do some of those things? But in this environment. And especially in this cycle, in this go around, seeing that they've got all the extra money, they've got the elections coming up and everything else. I mean, is that like just peeing into the wind? I mean, because I mean, you could put forward a bill that would adjust the base student formula or do something else. But I mean, does it basically just go where all bills go to die at this point, the second that it leaves your printer? I mean, what happens? Well, I don't think the BSA is is the most viable path right now because you have a legitimate concern about money, right? First of all, the BSA is, in my opinion, it should be more targeted if you're going to do something with money because the BSA, as they would, well, it's only a hundred dollars, right? You know, that's all this. It's only hasn't increased in six years or, you know, all the different briefings and the numbers. The reality is though, is that, you know, a hundred dollars on the front is not a hundred dollars in the back. That's the problem. And you say, well, we're just going to increase a hundred bucks. Well, that might be a thousand dollars for students. That might be $1,500. It's not 100 bucks because of the formula and how it's applied and where it's applied in the different school districts. It's a lot more than 100 bucks per student. That's the problem, Mike, is that it's not a fair comparison, and it's not apples to apples in this case. So just increasing the formula isn't necessarily going to solve anything, and then it's a lot of extra money that isn't targeted to where your problem is. If we're going to do something – it needs to be metric-based, right? Performance. Show me the fact that we are the third in the nation for spending, tied with the other top two, basically, somewhere north of $20,000 per student, because it's not the same, right? Some districts are, districts are expensive. Some are not as expensive based on road, rural, et cetera, et cetera. We need to be doing things like the read by nine, right? We know by watching other states that read by nine works. If you implement the program to guarantee every kid that can can read by the age of nine, they become successful. Typically, they go on and finish school, they do well, they become productive members of society, et cetera, et cetera. If they don't read by nine, which is a lot of the problem we're having, then the kids tend to fall off the radar. They get hooked into drugs and alcohol, depression, they drop out of school, things don't turn out well for them. Read by nine works. Almost every state of the nation that has implemented it has turned their education system around. Here's Alaska. Years later, since I've been here trying to work read by nine, and we can't get it done. Instead of talking about money, 
that clearly does not provide the performance we're looking because we're bottom of the nation in virtually every category. How about we do something different? That's the problem. It's like the VPSO program that you and I were talking about years ago. We were trying to change it to have a different structure. Well, we'll just give it more money. Like, well, money clearly hasn't worked 60 years later. Why are you going to do that instead of doing something different and trying a, an alternate approach? So the BSA, sorry, guys. Well, tired of giving you money if you don't have the performance. Let's do something different is, in policy. Is money really an issue? I mean, according to uh, something that I read the other day, the schools in the state of Alaska received something like $521 million in federal funds through the COVID stuff, and they barely spent 20% of it. So, I mean, is money really the problem at this point, or is it the fact that something is fundamentally broken in the system and we just are refusing to address that? Mike, it's not even that. Look at the last two years. Most of our teachers are working from home. You don't have the big, you know, cost on the, on the buildings. I mean, the, the participation rate in actual classrooms has dropped significantly as well because parents said, the heck with it. I'm homeschooling my kids. I'm taking them to charter schools. I'm doing something else because the public education system, I mean, the kids aren't even going. Right. And the kids that are, they're depressed and other stuff because they're wearing masks at five or six years old, right? And the kids are crying and upset and they can't see each other and they're stuck and they're, they feel like they should live in a little plastic bubble because they're afraid of touching anybody and catching some disease that has a 100% chance of survival for them at their age. We have so screwed it up right now that you look at it you, in, in Anchorage is another example, right? It's like they're building more square footage, but their participation rate, number of students is dropping significantly. We need more money. Oh, no, you don't. Stop. You need to turn your education system around and actually do things in policy and quit fighting things like read by nine that would force you to have to actually perform. Right. That's what we need to do. But then the NEA shows up and they do the little ground thug thing they do with all the teachers wearing red, right? And then it's all about, oh, we hate teachers. No, we don't. I've never talked one iota with you, Mike, or anybody about cutting the money to teachers and kids in the classroom, talking about having 54 school districts in a state all where right. Hawaii <laughs> with six islands or seven islands hold, has one school district. Hold the line, Mike. I just realized we're running out of time. We got to go. We're going to be back with more in just a minute. Mike Shower is our guest. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Sorry, we both got a little verbose there and uh, run close to the break. Um, you do that to me, you get me all spun up, and then you make me whole. I know. Terrible. That's how it is. It's, it's you know, it's <laughs> it's how I work around here, baby. It's just how I work. Um, keep your guest off guard. Yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to trying to keep you, keep you on your toes. Um, all right. Uh, what is, holy cow. Uh, what is, uh, what's your spare time look like right now? You got none, right? I mean, you're just basically. <laughs> Mike, I need 28 hours in the day. Yeah. 24 ain't enough right now. I am personally, I am, I am just busy as all get out. And that reason for that is, is there are so many issues we're working on. Right. But I'm, I'm not convinced any of them are going to go anywhere, but at the same time, I'm duty bound to do them. Right. I'm here for a reason. I'm here to try and solve problems. I am frustrated at nearly every turn. Leadership and the bodies don't seem to want to do anything, solve the problems. We won't look at the fiscal plan, working group, energy plan and any of the other stuff. But at the same time, what am I going to do? Am I going to come here and just sit around and, and go to the lobbyist party events at night or, you know, uh, you know, go to a lunch and learn? No, I'm here to work. I'm here to try to solve the problem. So I'm doing my part. 
and I am still trying to move bills that matter. I'm still trying to work on the ones I have, even though I know they're not going to go anywhere. Like, for example, we just heard my SB 31, no binding caucuses yesterday in judiciary. Right. Get ready to kick at the rules and watch it like the penalties in hockey probably go there and die because they don't want to vote on it. <laughs> right. Even right. though it's legitimate. Right. So, oh, yeah. No, well, there, there's a time. there's a few bills. I mean, you've got that bill, the no no binding caucus bill. You've also got, um, don't you have a bill to reset the legislative uh, uh, session to on the road system? Isn't that something that you're talking about as well? Yeah, we took a different approach this time, Mike. Is moving the Capitol is a no go. Sorry, no, no, not happen. the Capitol, not the Capitol. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I just don't want I just don't want to conflate the things because that's what people hear when I say move the session to somewhere else, they say, well, you, you can't move the Capitol. I'm not talking about the Capitol. I'm talking that's about why, just like they've done why, with special sessions in the past. That's why I said it the way I said it. It's not moving the Capitol, and it's not even moving the legislature every year. I'm stepping into it like some other states do every other year, putting it on the road system. We, we have suggested Anchorage because it's a central hub with airport communications, lots of places for people to stay blah, 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 and there's buildings and facilities there, so it could go anywhere else, but we said, you know what, every other year, we're going to meet on the road system in Anchorage, and then the next year, because two-year session, one year would be in Anchorage, one year would be in Juneau. <clears throat> that way, you're doing both. You step into it slowly. You allow more access to the people. You're not trying to pull it so much out of Juneau that everybody and their brother that's scared to death that somehow this is going to just change everything. Um, is not going to happen completely. So it's back and forth. And so we took a step approach to say, well, maybe this would be something that people could actually do and not lose their minds. Cause I know the people want it, you know, on the road system. Of course, Juno wants it here. Go figure it's money and other things, but I'm like, okay, let's try every other year. See how it works. See if that's in reality is they're never going to let it happen. Right. I mean, the current people in charge, they're not going to let them go. I got it. I know that they're not going to let it go through the rules chair. Those guys, they're not going to let it go through the finance table. They won't even hear it. So this is back to, in a lot of ways, an exercise in futility. And, you know, in some, some ways you use it simply as a springboard, right? So you can talk about it and get the ideas out, but I'm not naive. Like, like I said before, 10 minutes ago, a lot of these bills you're using as something to talk about and get the idea out so that people see that you are trying, but, you know that based on who's in charge, and especially of both bodies, Democrat-controlled House, it's not going anywhere. Well, the reason my election bill isn't going to work, right, because I know that all the things in there, that they've said it openly. Those bills are dead on arrival. I'm hearing Democrat bills, certain things, but, you know, oh, my bills, oh, they're dead on arrival, right? And people want, well, you know, the, the bill on elections in the House, you know, should go. That's a good bill. Well, my bill's terrible, right? Well, it depends on your point of view. So... Um, yeah, no, I don't have any free time. <laughs> no free time. No, no free, free time. time at all. No. Well, and that's, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm, uh, you know, I'm glad that you're here to at least share some of this with us and even, yes, you're even your frustration with us. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we can hear about it. We're going to uh, pick this up here uh, on the other side, folks. Like and share this video, like and follow the show page, hit subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based. Free Thinking Radio, here we go.
All right, continuing now, Mike Shower is our guest. It is the Shower Hour of Power. During the break, we were just talking about some of the frustration. Um, you know, bills that could be heard but won't. Maybe they'll be heard in his committee, and then they go to another committee to essentially die. Some of his bills, they've already just basically stated openly that they're never going to make it out of committee. They're not shy about basically telling you no. Um, which leads me to uh, which leads me to another question. Um, you mentioned at one point that you know you said something about leadership, you know, being ineffective and not really helping, and in fact sometimes hindering the problem. Which leads me back to the bigger question, which we've been asking for a while now. Why are people like you and Shelley Hughes and others continuing to hold into a non-binding caucus that essentially neuters everything that you're trying to do and doesn't benefit you but benefits all the people that want the business as usual to continue? Why are we continuing with that? Why, you know, at some point, why don't we just throw our hands in the air? As you said, the frustration is not like it could really get much worse, I think, in a lot of ways. What does it matter? Why not just break the caucus and see if you can form one that's based more around an idea of a holistic fiscal plan? Mike, Mike, that's still an option. That's always on the table. I mean, it was on the option or it was on the table last year. Um, you know, we looked at it. I've been very open about it. I said, if we're ineffective and not accomplishing the mission, why continue doing the same things? Now, I'll give you a couple of reasons why some people don't want to necessarily move. Number one, you kind of just answered a bit of it, you know, a minute ago is that uh, or a second ago, one of the reasons is you don't have what what would happen, right? So if we were to break apart um, the Senate Majority Caucus, it's most likely that the old guard, you know, that five or six, can, you know, we're kind of split almost down the middle quite in the majority, um, would just simply go over to the Democrats and they'd join with them. And so you'd have, a, a you know, 11 or 12, you know, strong caucus that was the Muscox caucus all over again. And then it would probably even be worse. That's one thing. The second thing is, you know, at the moment, even though we're not doing anything, and I'm not sure that caucus would certainly do nothing, you know, the Muscox caucus of the Democrats and the Republicans we're talking about that are anti-PFD, the other issues, they're not going to do anything to solve the problems either, right? So that's not going to take a step forward, one. Uh, in addition, right now, at least, we have the committee chairs where we have the microphone, right? We can talk about these issues. We can bring them up. We can still do some things. We can also kill some things, right? Same problem. You get, you know, certain bills and stuff that a lot of people don't want to see that are on the Republican or conservative side, and we can hold them. You know, it's the same game, right? Say, so, oh, you're not going to hear any of our bills we think are good, but well, then we're not going to hear yours. If we were to rejoin like that, Mike, then the Democrats would have control of all the committees, too. Next thing you know, all the bills that a lot of us don't like or you don't like or whatever it might be, when there's twice as many Republicans in the state as there are Democrats, well, now all of a sudden Democrats have control, in, in essence, almost of both bodies. That's another problem, right? So that's something we have to consider. Um, so there's more to it than just, well, break it apart, because the reality is we might not be successful in rejoining with whoever to kind of gain or maintain some control. And even if all of that was successful, if we did it, right, depending on who we rejoined with and what the group might look like, you could end up with a you know committee of the whole, the whole body, and God knows what kind of chaos that ended up looking like the house, and that's so much fun to watch. Um, or, like I said, you end up where <clears throat> we were to rejoin with them, but the agreement would be we can't work on any of these other things, right? Because then you're going to get people on both sides that go, well, not that plan or not that plan or not that idea. You know, that, that doesn't, we don't agree with that. So probably the only thing you could accomplish in my opinion, 
other than just pushing a budget through that was whatever the governor, you know, put out because you're not going to get anything else done with it, with a group like this on any side is maybe, maybe something on the PFD, you know, trying to push through the constitutional amendment, which would be tough, right? Because you're going to be down to like the very bare minimum number right at 14-ish that might do it because you've got to have the, the constitutional amendment side plus the statutory side, right? That's kind of where everything's landed. Um, the other problem is you're not going to get in the House right now, not with the current thing, not unless they reform. So even if we did it on top of everything else, Mike, the final kind of nail in that coffin as well, it's still irrelevant to the House. Unless the House reorganizes and you put Republicans in control with the current people in there, they're not going to talk about the PFD. They're not going to talk about fiscal plan working group. We're not going to do anything. And I've talked to some of the House members that were you know, on the working group with me. They're frustrated. Because, and these are Democrats, and they can't get anything or movement on it either. So it's not just one side. I'm very fair in my criticism. You know me. I'll criticize everybody if I think we're, we're part of the problem, right? And it's not just Republicans. There are Democrats that want to do this too, that are trying, and they're, they're just as frustrated. So this is a very broad problem um, with a lot of people that are stopping us from solving things we could solve. And it would mostly be centered around PFD right now. So long answer to your short question but there are many things to consider, and that's the problem, right? Every action has a has a reaction, and it may or may not be a positive one, so you be careful. So I guess this leads me back to the question again on the various committees and the things that are going on right now. Does this become now more of a, a tit-for-tat where now it makes sense for people like you who are in charge of committees that are not having their bills being heard? Do you stop hearing bills from other people it, to, to try and leverage them to at least come to the table to talk about it? Or, I mean, what's the what's the plan in that regard then? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, some of the bills I have moving, you know, a lot of the people that do this, the older guard that have been around for a while, they don't file bills. They just don't. They do amendments or other things or they get the committees in the powerful positions they want and they don't do much. So even if you want to do that, it's less of an option because they're, they just don't do much of that stuff. So... Um, one that's tough to do, you know, with the people that you might try to have that kind of leverage, because that is politics, right? Using what power and leverage you have to try to execute whatever your agenda items may be. And so it's harder that way. Um, and I also actually tried to follow the rules and the law and <clears throat> the uniform rules say you'll hear every bill. So I actually try to hear every bill. It doesn't mean you have to move them. And you may not support it or your committee may not support it. That's a problem too, right? You have to, even even as chairman, if I wanted to move a bill, I still have to have at least a majority of the committee. And I've had times where I've gone around and say, I'd like to move this bill and I don't have enough support, right? So it's not going anywhere. So even that part can be frustrating because your committee might not vote for it. So you have multiple problems in this very frustrating structure as I went through last week and how does a bill become a law, right? It's not as simple as, hey, if I have a bill, Mike, get that done, would you? I'm like, yeah, that would be nice, but that's not quite how it works. Not in the system we have. So um, I don't know, Mike. I don't know. Um, you definitely want to use the leverage that you have. We're definitely trying to do that, like we use leverage against SB 53. That step and launched last third special session, trying to give us that ridiculous poison pill of, you know, oh, we'll take five years to step into some kind of higher PFD. And we killed it, right? Because six of us said, nope, not doing it. They did the timing thing. We knew he waited till the last day. He didn't have any options. And none of us would vote for it. And because of the reconsideration, it basically died. He was pissed. But you know what? They do that crap to us all the time. Fair play. So I will tell you this, Mike. 
in reference to your question, there are a lot of us that are getting really angry and sick and tired of being rolled, sick and tired of leadership making promises they're not delivering on, sick and tired of people twisting our arms and making us do things. So you know what? There's not a binding caucus right now. Maybe we're just not going to vote as a block to give a CBR, a three-quarters vote, or any of the other things we might need, because that is what power we have. And we need to use it to affect that change. What we can get from it, who knows? I don't know. There's politics and procedures and all the garbage that goes on. So the most frustrating thing is back to what you and I seem to have to talk about every week is we're not solving the problem. And that drives a lot of us crazy. So I don't know. We'll see. So every option is on the table. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. So (laughs) where do you go with that? I know. I know. Every option (laughs) is on the table. Um, I tell you what, we're going to go to break because I don't want to ask another question because immediately we would run over time. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to continue with Mike Shower and see what he has to say. My next question is going to be, we're 30 days into the session, 30 days into the session. What, where have we gotten? What have we done? And what does it look like for the rest of this session? Can he put on his his Kreskin turban and uh, hold the envelope up to his forehead and give us a give us a, a look into the future. That's what's coming up next with Mike Shower. It is the Michael Duke Show. <clears throat> Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. uh, Continuing on now, Mike Shower is our guest. And, uh... What 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 are your thoughts on the whole redistricting thing, Mike? Uh, we could take that during the commercial break because I think that there's, yeah, I mean it's six minutes, but uh, I think in six minutes we could at least get a feel for where you're at. I mean, just basically taking all the Matsu's concerns and Valdez's concerns and just throwing them out and saying, no, no, they did a great job on that. But this, they didn't listen to all the public testimony and everything else, and this, and of course there must have been collusion. Uh, in secret backdoor meetings on this other stuff. And, you know, uh, give us your thoughts on that. How many times, Michael, do I have to talk about the judicial system in Alaska and a, and a group like Politics Not Justice? Now, their real name is Justice Not Politics, but I flipped it because they really are about politics. The judiciary, in, in its own way, because of the fact it says it's objective and not political, is perhaps the most political body in the government. So, don't give me the garbage. Not all. There are some good judges, and they, they're not all you know, left-leaning activists, but it's full of left-leaning activists. Mike, listen, we, we know that. I'm sick and tired of people trying to hide. Oh, it's the best system ever, and it's just per- – no, it's not. They're political as all get out. I've said it 100 times on this show here and all the things we've seen with my own eyes, heard with my own ears. They're political as all get out. Stop it. They are. If you think for one second, this judge is probably not talking to his buddies on the left side of the political spectrum and figuring out just how he was going to rule on this so that they could make sure that it favored their narrative, their ideology, their groups, baloney. Sorry, not buying it. They talk all the time. It goes to all these different narratives you've seen throughout the country. So say what you want. I really don't care. I'm telling you what I see and what I believe the reality is. So fine. But that being said, you look at it and you go, the most 
the case with the most standing based on real numbers that nobody has even disagreed with is the Matsu because the Matsu was clearly targeted to have less impact because five of the seven districts in the entire state out of 40 that were left bigger than they should have been, right, was the Matsu, which means over time as they grow further, every vote will be distilled down. Every vote will count less. There's six districts in the Matsu, Mike. Five of them were overpopulated. They drew the lines that way. There's only two other districts in the entire state like that which means the Matsu is going to be discounted less. Right. Or it's It'll be, be counted dil- less. So dil- diluted, they, right. Well, yeah, it, they did it, it on purpose. So, Valdez was clear they didn't want to be a part of it. They did it anyway. So don't tell me that this was a fair thing. And when I go back to who was picked on the board, look at how they voted. The two most left-leaning members, of course, voted with a judge. That's a big surprise, right? right? And then finally, I go back to what I told you, that, that bombshell that doesn't even get picked up on, that another legislator was talking to Giesel who appointed, you know, former Senate President Kathy Giesel, who said, I got to hear it because they didn't know I was around the corner. You may remember me telling you this one, right. where the question was directly asking, who are you going to pick, you know, for, you know, uh, the redistricting board? I'm going to pick somebody to counter Mike Dunleavy's two picks. The woman said it. I heard it with my own ears. Mike, the whole damn thing just set up. Yeah. And then look at now. Now Giesel's on the, the Walker board for re- re-election. Right, right. And they're all tied together. And, and Randy Rudrick and the re- it's like, and Randy Rudrick hates the Matsu and the conservatives. So look at how it was set up, Mike. The whole freaking thing. You talk about gerrymandering and how this played out. The whole thing's a damn set up. And just to explain well, just to, to and just to explain to people what you mean by saying that, that it's bad that these districts are over large is, you know, each district is supposed to have a set number of, you know, twenty thousand people per district kind of thing. Well, if they allow them to be overly large, instead of splitting off in what would happen is they could create where instead of the Matsu is comprised of six districts. It could be seven, and that would give them more representation, and that's what they want to avoid. Right, and remember, the other real problem with that, and one of the reasons, not only because five of the seven districts in the whole state were in the Matsu of the six, it's the Matsu is the one part of the state that's growing. Every place else is shrinking, and what that means, and they know that, is that over the next 10 years until the next census, while the Matsu grows, you're going to cut those votes in half. In other words, you're not going to have the same amount of votes for the population because we won't do this again, Mike, for another decade. The whole thing was a setup to silence certain voices and enhance others. Don't let people lie to you. That's what's happening. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, We're coming up uh, here. We've got uh, Mike Shower. We've got about a minute and a half left in the break. And we will continue uh, with him here in just a second. Uh, Don't forget to like and share this video. Don't forget to like and follow the show page. And, uh, of course, uh, tell all your friends and relatives about these shows to, uh, you know, get them going on and and get their attention and, and get them to be part of the conversation. That's the important part. That's what we need to do uh, right now. Uh, We're just about a minute out and we're going to continue on with this uh, here. Uh, with Mike Shower, and we will uh, we'll keep things uh, rolling on here. I'm fixing a little bit of a problem uh, on right here, that and that and that and that. Okay, all right. Look at that. I think I I think I I think I fixed it. Maybe not. Uh, Mike Shower is going to continue with us. We're about uh, 10 15 seconds out right now. Getting ready to rejoin. Uh, let's do this. The Michael Duke Show. 
Okay, continuing now with Mike Shower. Mr. Michael, so the question uh, before we went to break, uh, we're 30 days into the special session. We're 30 into the 90. Okay. 30 days into the 90-day session. Don't even play the I know, I know. We're a third of the way or a quarter of the way, depending on which uh, philosophy you ascribe to. Um, And so far we've got nothing i mean i guess except for that we're going to spend a lot of money investigating the oath keepers i guess that's a big deal um but we're we're going to just uh, proceed ahead here and the question is what have we done so far and put that crystal ball to your forehead and tell me what does it look like in another 60 or 90 days so to speak well, I keep hearing that some people want to get out early because campaign year, redistricting, or ranked choice voting, blah, blah, blah. So whatever. Um, you know, I've asked questions and heard different interpretations. That could mean three days early instead of 120, 118. It could be 10 days early. But I'm not hearing anybody right now say anything about 90 days. Nothing. Remember, we are a third of the way or a fourth of the way or whatever the heck we are. But we're 31 days into the session, and I don't believe we've even had a subcommittee meeting. I haven't had one yet on finance, right? So they're still having their full month of briefings before they actually get down to doing any of the work. And so we haven't even had a subcommittee meeting yet. You're going to love this one. We haven't had one, not one, majority caucus meeting yet to talk about strategy or where we are or the fights ahead, not one. Um, I've had a bunch of meetings with some of the Democrats trying to figure out things are going on and off, and I hear more from them. So, so far, no real communication to speak of. So we're not talking. We're not meeting on the most important thing, the one that we have to do, the budget, right? Um, and we're over a month into it. So uh, that's not very encouraging for getting out of here in any reasonable amount of time that's not going to go right up till the end. We haven't even started really discussing the dividend yet, Mike, and that always becomes the big fight for the last six or seven years here now. Thank you, Governor, former Governor Walker. So we've got that to worry about. That's going to be on the queue. So when we start talking about how we're going to try to do this constitutional amendment tied to the statute to fix the PFA, I'm looking at it and go, how? How are you going to do it? All the vehicles are sitting there. But certain members of the old guard and, and who are in leadership, when I say that, that's not every person. These are individuals, right? Um, they don't want to hear them. One of the finance co-chairs said, you know, that any constitutional amendment of PFD is dead. We're not hearing that. We flat out said it last year. So <clears throat> I'm not hopeful that with where we sit, we're going to get out in any sense early. I'm not sure of anything great we're going to do with the budget. I'm not hearing any great desire for reductions, uh, nothing on increases or anything at all. I've heard through the grapevine that we're going to have a significantly higher PFD. I've asked what that definition is, and I get just kind of a blank stare. I don't know. <laughs> significantly a, higher. Yeah. You, you keep saying $5. I don't think that means what you think it means. You don't think it means what you think it means, Fede. <laughs> yes, I, I don't know. I've heard, oh, that could be $1,600 or whatever. I've heard some people say that it has to be the 50-50 minimum to get out, um, you know, kind of a thing, which is more like a 23 or $2,400 PFD or whatever that number would, you know, pan out to be. So I hear a lot of different, you know, talk, but what we're going to be able to accomplish now that we're already 31 days in and haven't moved on anything yet is a little bit, you know, pie in the sky to me. Not because I know people want to do it, which is true, 
but because I don't know how you're going to get that done with the time we have. And like I said, and regardless, Mike, whatever we do in the Senate, we're still de- dealing with an intransient House that's controlled right. by a minority of Democrats who don't want to do anything, apparently, or very few of them, I should say, not every one of them, want to do anything on a major fiscal plan that would actually solve the problems. Um, I, I, to be quite frank, Mike, I think a lot of them, they really like the fact that they get to tinker every year with this, and they're not bound by the law. They're not bound by the Constitution. They can, oh, pretty much, oh, we can pretty much do what we want. We can manipulate it. We can move the money around. We can change this, do that, whatever. I think a lot of them actually like that. It drives me nuts. I want it codified. I want it in law. It's like the election stuff. There are so many things that are policy right. that a director of the division of elections or a lieutenant governor, depending on their narrative and ideology and where they sit and sway on the political winds, can change things year to year. And it's not codified. And they go, that's wrong. allowing a person, because that can change. That could be good for your team this year, right? That could be terrible for your team next year. Well, allowing I mean, people to come in and switch these things back and forth so much policy, look, it needs to be it needs to be guidance. They can't change. Well, wait a minute. And I think they love that. But wait a minute. The lunatics are running the asylum. Why would they give up that power? Why That's would they? I mean. Why would they want to emasculate themselves with that power? Uh, Donna Ardwin in the chat room says she goes. Bert Stedman only has one playbook: write the budget himself and shove it down everyone's throat in the last hour. Which I guess, looking back at it, really is not that. Untrue. I mean, he's had a hand in all these things from the last minute holding KGB and other things hostage to the different, you know, pulling things out of different buckets of money to convolute the whole thing. I mean, is she far off on this? I mean, is that as you look at this, is that is that kind of how it plays out? No, no, that's Bert's thing. He wants he wants to control the money. Right. And that's just that's what I said. But you don't see personal bills coming from him. It's all about the money. Right. That's the leverage. That's the power play. That's what he wants to do. Every legislator has their thing that they're trying to do or work on or whatever their thing is. They have it for him. It's all about money. Other ones have other things. Right. So, no, Donna's not wrong. And Donna had to fight that head on herself. Right. right? Um, By dealing with it in the position she was in. So she saw it firsthand. Right. We used to talk often after finance meetings. She'd come by the office because we're right there outside the the door in finance and we'd be like, Oh God, here we go again. Talking about this thing. We'd both be rolling our eyes, you know, right. Here we go again. You know? So yeah, no, well, not wrong. And I fully believe that's one of the reasons why she got the ax so unceremoniously is because she was fighting back against that and, uh, making too many waves and people didn't like, we like our business oh, as usual. Yeah. We like Status our business. Quo, as usual. Brother. Status yeah. quo. Donna was rocking the boat. Don't rock the boat. That's dangerous. Yeah. We don't want boat rockers. Don't, don't, we don't want people going to step in and do what they're told. Mike. Right. That's the binding caucus. You vote the way we tell you to, and you'll get a good chairmanship. You'll get all these nice things, but don't. There's consequences. I asked it yesterday in committee. We had the department. Oh no. Ledge legal was on one of our guys. And, uh, he said, um, I asked him this question. I said, just, for curious, for curiosity and for the record, if a, just example, maybe this happened, maybe it didn't, but let's say a Senate president said to another senator, um, you're being punished for your speech. Or let's say, as an example, a rules chair said to another senator, you're being punished for your votes. Now, would that fall under the statute that I just read that talks about coercion that is a felony in Alaska statutes? And he wanted to him and haw not say say the answer and i get why he didn't want to but i said you know just just tell me does that have coercive elements and what you know into making a legislator do something that they that they don't want to or not do something they want to and he's like yes i got a straight answer from one of them said yes that would fall under coercive elements i'm like well ain't that something because that happened to me 
in this building? And the answer was they didn't do anything wrong because there's no consequences. That's why I filed the bill. Now, I know I'm not going to get it through this body, but that's the point, right? And I want to circle back and do my best Jim Basaki here to uh, the Oath Keepers. <laughs> you made that mention. Right. I've seen all this garbage and the, and the show and the witch hunt and all this crap about the insurrection. It's not an insurrection, Mike. It was a riot. It was a riot. And the people that were doing things on that day have already been investigated, charged. Some of them are in jail. That's the way it's supposed to work. And I heard for a year and a half before this how, oh, my gosh, um, you know, these are, you know, the riots across the nation burning down neighborhoods and, and b- private businesses and attacking federal buildings and other capitals around the nation. Oh, my gosh, that was freedom of speech. But one day they have a riot, a few hundred people do it. And, oh, it's an insurrection trying to t- No, baloney. It wasn't. It was another riot. Some A number of people screwed up and did stupid things. And guess what? They're being charged. Right. But this Oath Keeper thing, this little witch hunt going on in the House and wasting their time when we need to be working on the budget and these other things, I went and looked at it because I was curious myself. I don't see anything about sedition and all this crap going on on Oath Keepers. I don't see it. It doesn't talk anywhere about there about overthrowing the government. So I'm sick and tired of them getting the narrative because the press will report on that right. and do it unfairly when that is not at all what that says. I'm sitting there going, okay, so if you're going to broad brush Oath Keepers because of a few bad people, then you better broad brush Black Lives Matter. You better right. broad brush Antifa. How about the Democrat Party? How about the Republican Party? They've got bad people. So does the Catholic Church, right. Boy Scouts. We can do this on any group that you've yeah. ever seen. No, it's it's virtue signaling on a massive scale is what it is. They're basically trying to play to their base and, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. Wasting the taxpayers' money, wasting the taxpayers' time, not really working and focusing on the issue that they were sent down there to take care of, which, of course, is the budget and the PFD. Because, again, they want things to continue just well, the same way they're doing. it's a base issue in an election year, Mike. It yeah. fires up their base. That's if, if nothing else, it's a political thing, and that's mostly – that's actually all it is. Right. Is to fire up their base and play to the base. That's all they're doing. Yeah. No, absolutely. Simple. Absolutely. Um, Mike Shower is our guest. Uh, Mike, we're down to the last uh, three minutes here, so <sighs> give, me your, uh, give, me your, give me your final thoughts here. Last two minutes. All right. Well, I'll give you the prediction you asked for it. I think that uh, we will probably have a bigger PFD than last year, but what that is, I have no idea. The budget's probably going to be relatively flat, probably pretty close to what the governor is proposing, because I see no great movement on that and no great will in an election year for people to reduce anything, because they're going to be scared of unions and others that are going to come after them. So probably pretty static. I don't think we're going to have any great solution on any of the fiscal plan items that we need to solve. It's always possible something will come out about the PFD, but if it's statutory, you know, again, change and nothing on the Constitution, then I'm going to fight it because we all know how well we follow the statutes. So that's probably a non-starter. And there'll be battles over that raging over the next month or two as we get into the final. And there'll be a smattering of personal bills. We'll see if we do anything on like read by nine that actually matter. I hope we do. There's some hope for that, but it's I don't basically there's going to be nothing in my opinion that you're going to write home about this year and go, yay, legislature you did a great job on the, these particular things. I'm working bipartisan with a, a Democrat in the house on election stuff because mine bill won't get through his bill won't get through. So we're working together to go. There's a couple steps where we agree. Maybe we can do that and show we can accomplish something, but I don't even know if that's going to make it. So we're working on a couple things, Mike, but um, like I said, I don't expect anything major and it's an election year. With all those other things we talked about, which is chaotic, and this is just going to be an interesting year to hold on to your hat as we get into it, because, you know, <laughs> there you yeah. go. That's my prediction. There's my Johnny Carson for you. All right. Well, thank you, the wonderful Kreskin. 
otherwise known as Mike Shower. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Uh, hold the line for just a second here. Folks, we got more coming up. Tomorrow, Firearms Friday. We're going to be joined uh, tomorrow on the program by Stephen Halbrook, author of the book, The Right to Bear Arms, and more. Have a good day. Be kind to one another. Love one another. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, Facebook. I always like to give Mike one final bite at the apple here when we're not under time constraints because, oof, man. Uh, Mike, final thoughts here. Just you, just line me out. What can I mean, how can we help? What can we do? What do we do? Or do we just bolt gird our loins and uh, you know and and stock up and rearm and get ready for the big fight after the election? What do we do? Well, if you change nothing, nothing will change. I'll say it again, Mike. I, I still believe that at the end of the day, we're going to accomplish little to nothing. And I we can have this discussion when this legislative session is over and it's kind of that thing, prove me wrong, right? Prove me wrong. Right. We're not going to actually do anything. And if we don't, I'm going to continue to make the push and the argument that a constitutional convention with all of the risk, but all of the potential reward is the best solution moving forward because I don't see the legislature getting better. And everybody's like, well, wait till next time. Maybe, maybe we'll have more conservatives in this time and maybe this time kelly merrick won't throw us under the bus and maybe this time we'll do and maybe and maybe 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 i'm getting tired of the maybes mike right there's problems we need to solve so we can talk about it after the session's over and we've accomplished nothing and i'm gonna look at you guys and go really you're gonna wait and hope another two years that this time we'll do it charlie brown or two years after that or 10 years from now when Half of the left coast has moved to Alaska and turned into a utopian paradise where we can't develop our resources and drill or mine or do anything useful. So it, these are things to consider. But, yeah. you know, the, the real answer, honestly, in my opinion, is start getting up people to get them ready for a constitutional convention and have a good plan yeah. and a structure. And, and that may be the answer to me. And I know not everybody agrees. That's fine. It's politics. We're allowed to disagree. <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you're going to get this body to do it, Mike. I don't. Yeah, Not exactly. <clears throat> no, but then I mean, how do you know? I think it has to be. Ex- I think it has to be external forces. I think you're right, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on board. Good to talk with you. Oh, you got it. We'll talk to you next week. I hope. All right, thank you, folks. We'll see you tomorrow for Firearms Friday, the Michael Duke Show. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show